Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. On this Wednesday, I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro, and we've got a great podcast episode for you. As the Eagles are now all at the Novacare Complex, going through the Phase 1 portion of this new-look training camp. And to that point, we're going to talk about the Novacare Complex a little bit more in depth here. And we're going to take a look at one of the pieces of art here that's really gotten a lot of attention in the last couple of days. Kobe Bryant, well, we know that he loved the Philadelphia Eagles, and we know that the Philadelphia Eagles loved him. And there's a piece of art just outside the Eagles locker room at the Novacare Complex that Alshon Jeffrey tweeted about on Monday, and boy, oh boy, did that story take off. We will take you inside that piece of art and how it got there and why it's there and the reaction from the Eagles organization. We're also going to talk to Ted Rath, the director of sports performance for the Eagles, new to the football team, and all of a sudden, he's got a lot to work with here. We're going to talk about how the Eagles have transformed their strength and conditioning area to accommodate the large roster. Really good stuff from Ted Rath in just a few moments. But let's begin with a one-on-one with head coach Doug Peterson. He spoke to the media on Monday. Not a lot of information there, but when he went one-on-one with me, it was all good. What is the mindset of this football team? The head coach, how creative does he have to be? The goals between now and September 13th, when the Eagles play at Washington to open the regular season, we cover it all one-on-one with head coach Doug Peterson. Training camp 2020 has begun for the Philadelphia Eagles here at the Novacare Complex. Insider Dave Spadaro joined by the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Doug Peterson. You're looking great. You're looking like you are ready to attack the unknown here. I'll start with that. What is the mindset heading into training camp? Well, first of all, Dave, uh, thank you for having me here, and and, and we're excited for for training camp. We're we're glad that the uh, uh, everything got worked out, you know, uh, the last last week, and uh, starting with our rookies today. The mindset really going in is is uh, it's it's full steam ahead. You know, we get our rookies here for a couple of days before you know the rest of the team comes in, and and we're excited. We, you know, we missed as you know, we missed a lot of off season time, the, the entire off season with these guys uh, on the field. But uh, we had really good virtual meetings this offseason, even these last couple of days with our rookies. We're just excited now, full steam ahead, get them on the grass, see what they know, see what they learned, how much they retained. Um, and, and as a staff, we're refreshed. With the time off, we're, we're ready to go. We're eager and looking forward to training camp. Doug, what has it been like for you and the coaching staff? You've had to be creative. You had to think outside the box, not only right now, but all the way through the draft, free agency, the virtual offseason program. How challenging has been that? Has that been for you? And, and how rewarding has it been to come up with a program that you like? Yeah, you know, it's it, it's a challenge. But you know what? I, I, I embrace the challenges. As you know, we've, we've faced adversity here, you know, since I become head coach with the amount of, say, injuries and things that have gone on. And uh, it's a challenge that that we embrace, but but there's a you know we've got such a great culture here and a collaborative effort here. There's a lot of people, a lot of people that I that I have to thank in, within the organization to help get us to this particular spot. And um, you know we we couldn't I couldn't do it by myself. Obviously, I'm not that creative. Um, 
And, uh, and so, you know, having, having an IT department, having a video staff, having our medical teams and, and, and our, in our front office staff, just to come together and put a plan together all the way back, you know, in March and April that would prepare us for, uh, today. And, and obviously, you know, these, these coming weeks. You had a conference call with reporters on Monday, and you said you felt safe in this NovaCare complex environment. Number one, how has your daily life changed, if you even know yet? And does it change your coaching style in any way, going through these new protocols? I, I, it, to the second part of your question, um, it, it's not going to change how we coach, obviously, um, especially once we get out on the grass and those types of things. Where it's, where it's going to become... Uh, a little bit different is, is is obviously within our building having having to you know cover our face with masks when we're in the building or the screening the checkpoints that uh, that we have to go through the the questionnaires that we have to go through on a daily basis that and it's all for it's all for my safety it's all for our coaches safety the entire organization and players it's all for their safety and benefit and and so you know, it, it, my message has been so far already early with the staff is let's just embrace it. It is what it is. You know, we got to coach or at least teach uh, with masks on. We, let, let's keep them on. Let's let's uh, let's protect one another because I know if we're healthy and we remain healthy, um, you know, good things are going to happen for the Philadelphia Eagles. You've got that message to the coaches. So these players, they're young kids. Um, they're coming from places maybe that weren't hit hard from the coronavirus yet. What is your message to the players? Doug, how does this work? That's what every fan wants to know. You know, it, it works by everybody doing their part. And, and that's, from me, it's got to be a daily, constant message to the team and to the, and to the, the staff uh, members. So we, every person has to do their part. You're, you're not just protecting yourself, but you're protecting your neighbor, right? You're protecting your teammate or you're going home and you're protecting your family. So that's how we do it. That's how we stay safe. Um, you know, are, are there, you know, are there going to be setbacks? Nobody can predict the future. Uh, I'm sure. I mean, we're seeing it already in, in other sports. So, um, but the way we get through it and, and the way we have success is just each person, um, taking ownership and, and doing the right thing. Doug, we know about the practice, the changes, no preseason games. So how do you get everybody the reps that you want to get them? You know, one thing about the, the way I, what I like about how training camp is set up right now is we got this little phase one kind of ramp up, strength conditioning, a little classroom, but but they've allowed, the league has allowed us to go on the field and do some walkthroughs, you know, with our with our players. And so we can really begin to, to, to teach and take it to the next, to the next level. And then we get into an acclimation phase where we can begin, you know, ramping things up just a little bit before we get into the padded part of practice. So we've, we've got a lot of time to really focus in on, on, on the details of what we're doing. And then, and for me being creative, once we get to the padded 11 on 11 stuff later in, later in camp, being creative to create scenarios and situations where we can really see our young players and the guys we need answers on perform. And, and so, you know, I, I'm excited about the schedule. I'm excited about the, the way, the way training camp is laid out. It's going to be very beneficial, you know, hopefully for the players, they'll embrace it. And uh, we, we, just, we just take it one day at a time and get ready for uh, the regular season. Doug, the other day you said that you thought the transition for Jason Peters would be relatively easy. Here's the 38-year-old man in his 17th NFL season, one of the greatest ever at left tackle, going to right guard. Explain why you think this could be a really smooth transition for Jason. Number one, he, he, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a constant pro. He's a constant professional. 
You know, he he's the what you're seeing with Jason right now uh, is you're seeing the the ultimate kind of the ultimate sacrifice. He's been that left tackle for so many years, and now you know he's 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 sacrificing for the good of the team, and he's saying, you know what, I I can play that position. I'm going to embrace it, and I can play it, and and uh, that's that's what obviously drew drew us to him having these conversations in the off season and you know and and a veteran guy who knows what we're doing he's 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 sandwiched right between Kelsey and Lane Johnson so you know what 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 a, what a great scenario for him and and it's just going to be a matter of now getting out on the practice field you know working the drills with Stout um, understanding the technique understanding uh, you know blocking schemes and protections from right there He's he's so athletic that that there really won't be any issues with him, and so that's why I'm excited about moving him in there and giving him that opportunity to uh, to perform. A couple more on the offensive line. You've spoken very highly of Andre Dillard, second year left tackle. What has he shown you in this offseason? He's gotten he's gotten bigger. He's gotten faster. He's gotten stronger from what I from what I've seen. Having a chance to kind of kind of bump into him. Uh, you know the last couple of days and, and, and seeing where he is, um, and I'm I'm excited. I'm encouraged because of what he did last year for us. Uh, here's a rookie left tackle in the National Football League having to block some of the top defensive ends last year. If you go back and look at some of the teams we played, you know the, the Khalil Max of the world and the Everson Griffiths of the world and guys like that. That he did an out. He did a really good job playing in those games, and so that gives him confidence. He's had. He's had an entire offseason now to really work his body, you know, work his, his 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 strength conditioning, and that gives him confidence coming into camp based on what he he also did last year from a mental standpoint. It's just going to catapult him into into this uh, into this uh, camp. And then we know that the offensive line is more than just five players. We know Matt Pryor has some experience at the guard positions and tackle at times in preseason. Um, how do you develop the younger guys? Stout wants reps. You don't have that many reps to put in. That's why it's so important right now with some of these phases, like, you know, uh, with the rookies in early. You know, we're getting the rookies in and getting them taught, and then, then we get this next wave of guys in here with them, and then eventually the veterans come in. And and this is where when we get into this, like, uh, this phase two, kind of this acclimation phase, where we can really begin ramping up reps for everybody. Um I, you know, I understand we got to get our, 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 our starters who, who, who on pen, you know, on paper have penciled in as, as starters. We got to get them ready to play. Obviously, you know, at Washington. So, based on that, yeah, we, we've got to, we've got to come up with creative ways to, uh, to get these young guys reps. We got to put them in, you know, comp- competitive situations in practice, um, and, and then, and then see where they are, you know, at the end of camp. There is a lot known, Doug, about the defense. Uh, there's also some pieces that we don't know about, particularly in the secondary. Who plays next to Rodney McLeod at safety? Who's the other starting cornerback on the other side of Darius Slay? I mean, when you look at the defense, what do you see? I, I'm excited about the defense. I, I, I love the, the free agents we picked up. I know Darius Slay and, and you know, played against him you know, the last few years, and he, he, brings, he brings a – uh, 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 he he brings a demeanor to that group, a veteran presence to that relatively young group. I mean, these guys are in their second, third, fourth year, relatively young guys. Having Jalen Mills, you know, slide back possibly into a safety position where he played in college is going to be a great addition for him. Uh, he's a smart guy. He's a physical guy. You know, bringing in uh, Roby Coleman, 
you know, uh, bringing in Will Parks, guys like that are veteran players to add to, whether it's the nickel spot with Craven LeBlanc or the safety spot or that third safety, whatever whatever defensive scheme that Jim puts together, you know, and then and then you're looking at Razul Douglas, you're looking at Sidney Jones, you're looking at some of these young players that that uh, are just honestly they're in that Dave in that. They're in that third and fourth year where you really start to see these young players take off. So that's why I'm excited about that secondary, uh, where those guys are, uh, and looking forward to getting them in here in a couple days. Doug, just a couple more. Uh, we saw last year the practice squad, how incredibly important it is for the success of a team in the regular season. Now that practice squad has been expanded. Can you talk to that? Can you speak to developing players and using that practice squad to get guys ready to step in if you need them? Yeah, I think back in my days, my early days in the NFL when there were five guys on practice squad, and I was one of those guys. And then it grew eventually to where we were, you know, last year to 10, and now we get 16 guys on practice squad. And and, and, and to me, that's where you really begin to develop, you know, that, that, that bottom third of your roster. Those, those guys, as we know, are at some point maybe going to have to play for us during the regular season. And, and so, it, you know, it, it's so important that those guys understand that, even though you're not on a 53, you're a valuable part to this organization and this football team because you're obviously working your craft and getting better at your skill, but you're preparing, really, you're preparing the team. You're presenting a picture in practice of the opponent to get our starters ready to play. And it's important that we, as a, as a coaching staff, continue to develop those guys. We just don't put them over on practice squad and then leave them. We actually work those guys so that one day, uh, as we saw last year, they can come up, help us, and uh, help us win games. Doug, we've got six, seven weeks between now and the start of the regular season against the Washington Football Club. Uh, what is the vision uh, of what you want to accomplish between now and then? You know, the, the vision, obviously, is we have to prepare our starters, right? We have to prepare them for, for that opening day. But the vision is, you know, we're, we're, taking, we're taking this roster that, that, that Howie and Andy Weidel and all our scouts and, and the guy, and we're excited about the young players on this team that are going to bring a, a – a, a great addition to, to, to where we are and, and being able to create competition, being able to create uh, an environment where, where these guys can succeed. It's just us. We're in our own little world now, right? No more, no more joint practices, no more preseason games. We're in our little world where we can really enhance our culture, build our culture, and, and, and really put our guys in a position to be successful so that when we travel down to Washington, you know, that, that, that opening day that, that we're ready to go. Guys are fresh. Uh, they're excited for the season and, um, you know, uh, looking forward to it. Doug, thanks so much for joining. See you soon, albeit from a distance. Good luck with everything. Thank you, Dave. We are now going to go inside the Philadelphia Eagles strength and conditioning room. And there is just the guy who's going to just give us the tour is Ted Rapp, who joined the Eagles in February as the Director of Sports Performance. And then in March, well, a pandemic happens. And I talked to Tom Hunkley about the same thing, Ted. And before we get into the specifics of what the Eagles weight training conditioning situation is going to be, what has it been like for you? Well, you know, Dave, I don't like to do anything easy, and that's clearly. So why not move cross-country <laughs> with a family in the middle of a pandemic? You know, so it's been great. You know, uh, 
But, you know, in all honesty, I, I do really believe and I firmly believe this, that you look at situations like this as either, you know, an excuse to kind of rest on your laurels or you look at it as an opportunity to create separation. And I think how this organization has handled it, and that's attributed from the top down, from Mr. Laurie to Howie to Doug, how they've handled this has really put us in a great situation because we've had people that have that attitude. And this has been a trying time. Obviously, for a lot of people, and our heart goes out to them, and it's a very, very difficult time for the world and our country and, and everything. So it's been, personally, it's been tough because we've been, you know, transitioning. We have three young children moving across country, selling a home in California, purchasing a home here in the area, and going through things like that. But to be honest, Dave, and I hope, I hope, I hope that so many other people feel this too, is we've grown closer together, me personally, with my family. I think it's been a unique opportunity to get to know the staff here in a really, really unique circumstance. So I love it. You know, it's a challenge. It's There's people going through some really difficult things. So in the grand scheme of things, we're incredibly blessed to be able to do what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. So we try not to forget that. So it's been a very interesting transition time, but at the same time, it's a great challenge and a great opportunity for us to go attack this thing and continue to try to get better so that we can be elite in every level. Ted, before we get into the specifics of the Eagles, I need you to give your, your wife a shout out because clearly she deserves it. There's no doubt about that, Dave, and I appreciate it. And her birthday's coming up, so I really appreciate it. She's got a training <laughs> camp birthday that makes me feel horrible every year. But, no, my wife, Robin, we're high school sweethearts. She has done an incredible job. She's the MVP of the family. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. She uh, homeschooled our oldest through the pandemic in a, in a apartment in downtown Philly as we were trying to get the real estate action going. So, I mean, she has handled everything incredibly well, way, way, way better than I ever could. Uh, well, great shout out. Good job there. All right. Uh, I want to later uh, talk about the virtual offseason program because I know that you had to put that together. But for now, the focus is on the NovaCare complex, what the weight room looks like, how the players will condition. Um, can you take us through first? the overview of what you tried to accomplish here, what you have accomplished here, not just you, but everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it starts at, you know, more shout outs to come. You, you look at, we mentioned Mr. Laurie and the fact that he is so such an incredible owner and he provides us with amazing resources. So his attitude towards this whole thing is how do I protect all the players and make sure everyone is safe as possible and also the staff. So that attitude really carries through because you feel the care as a person, but the players are going to ultimately feel that when they do lay eyes on this facility and they see the protocols that we have put in place and really the length that are great lengths that everyone has gone through. And then that trickles down to, to Doug and to Howie, but also Arsh Denota, Dr. Arsh Denota, who has done an incredible job. He's our chief medical officer. He has done, I can't even tell you how busy he has been through this off season, Dave, because I, I think besides John Ferrari, who's handling all the league compliance stuff and the new protocols, he's probably the busiest person in the entire state of PA. And then Tom Hunkley, who you mentioned earlier, has done an incredible job. Who's also going through a transition coming over from the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, it, he's hit this thing out of the park. So, you know, we look at it and honestly, I don't have to do much because I know those guys have it, Dave, and they have made me feel so much so much more at ease just knowing that we're safe, we're protected. So you show up to work in the middle of a pandemic and you really don't have to worry about anything because the protocols have been put in place. So after that long-winded answer, the weight room itself has it's really underwent a really big transition. One of the unique challenges that we're offered here is the fact that the league has put out these policies that are that are aimed to protect players that we love and we're all for. So one of those policies 
is reducing the total number of athletes in the weight room in a strength and conditioning session at one time. So that's going to be 15. We are allowed to have 15 athletes in the weight room at one time. So with that, understanding the rules, we actually went through a process of completely building two additional weight rooms. So we actually brought in these two additional weight rooms where we can now accommodate up to 45 athletes. So instead of being stuck and kind of hindered by 15 athletes in the middle of a training camp schedule and trying to allocate three to four hours throughout that training camp schedule to find time to actually have those guys train so that we can protect them and help them get through the sport of football in a more healthy manner. Now we, we have the opportunity to really train one side of the football, whether it's offense or defense. So that's been a really big critical adjustment. And then, you know, down to the details, Dave, you start to look at things. We've placed specific antimicrobial devices on every handle, literally everything that a player is going to touch. You look around here, obviously everyone's wearing proper PPE, but also you look and you see hand sanitizing stations everywhere. You see hand washing stations being built. Every player has their own soft tissue devices now. So these are devices that typically we would have quote unquote shared with the team where one guy goes on a device or a piece of equipment and he hands it to another guy. Now we're at the point where every single guy basically has their own locker within the weight room so they can store all of their equipment. It's literally built for them. It's made to sustain them through the season. So now we don't have to worry about any cross contamination or any unnecessary spreading of any type of germs. So based on that, I mean, there's a, a thousand pieces of, of layers that we go through on a day-to-day -day basis to make sure we're reducing any possible contact so that players aren't touching the same objects. If there is one piece of equipment, if it's a barbell, we're going to clean that barbell and we're going to wipe it down in between uses between athletes. So we're going through these protocols. And then, you know, the unsung heroes of this is, you know, our cleaning crew and the people that actually come in here and clean this place three times a day. So in between every usage, whether it's, you know, group one, if it's an offensive lift, and then we're rotating to the defensive side of the football, the entire weight room goes through a dramatic deep cleaning. So between that, the cleaning crew is on point, and they're knocking that out of the park. So we really have all these layers of protection in place, Dave, and it starts at the very top with how they laid out these protocols and how we have come together as an organization to make sure we're hitting all the pieces. But then at the end of the day, it's all about people. This is all going to be about execution because we can have the best protocols in the world, but it comes down to relationships and people really helping each other, but also holding each other accountable. I think that's the really unique thing in sports. Are you willing, if you see someone, hey, don't forget, pull your mask up, please. Things like that. We have to be at a point where we can help each other, but we can also protect each other. And this is a really unique challenge where we get to do that on a day-to-day -day basis. So, Ted, you mentioned 15 players in what we know, and I have not been there, I'm tier three, um, the, what the 9,000 square foot strength and conditioning room used to be. So 15 players there, 15 players in each of the two outdoor training areas. And that's based, what, on square footage? Can you take us through the particulars there? Where did you get to the number 15? So that's the, the league. The NFL themselves came up with that protocol. Some leagues, this is the really cool thing. We can kind of compare notes between what the NBA has done, what the MLB has done. So the MLB actually came up with a uh, calculation based on square footage, like you had mentioned. So they do it, I believe, don't quote me, I think it's 364 square feet per athlete or something like that. 
So the NFL came up with kind of a generalized what the average facility is like, and then they threw the number 15 out there. So for us, to be honest, Dave, we have, a, we have one of the best facilities in the NFL. You've seen it. You just mentioned how big it is and how great it is and the resources we have here. We could safely accommodate, if you utilize that square footage footprint, about 25-plus athletes. So for us, it does hinder us slightly. But what do we do instead of, you know, kind of complaining? Well, now, shucks, we're, we're stuck here. We only have this number. Well, you know what? Let's build two additional facilities. How are we going to do this and how are we going to maximize this opportunity so that we can continue to train, run a training camp outline and a calendar like we normally would and make this an advantage? And that's really what we've tried to do. So, you know, unfortunately, it would hinder us, but we don't have that attitude here. And we're going to try to figure out what's best for our team, what protects our players and our staff the most. And then we're going to go forward and we're going to make sure we make that happen. All right. So, Ted, I, again, I'm tier three, so I've not been in the weight room, won't be in the weight room, been working. We don't know each other, but <laughs> been working for the Eagles for a long, long time. So in the weight room, uh, at, beyond the the uh, condition, the um, cardio area, large windows from what i understand those windows have been converted into temporary doors players will go out through those doors and what there's a big tent to the left and a big tent to the right okay give me be, be my be my uh be my eyes here exactly right dave exactly what you just mentioned so if you're walking in and you're coming from our locker room you're going to pull out of the locker room as a player. You're going to walk past the Gatorade fuel bar. You're going to see Stephanie, one of our nutritionists there, Mike Minnis. You're going to get your pre. Now you're very customized, prepackaged uh, shake or your pre-workout supplementation, your Gatorade products, things like that. Then you're going to walk into the weight room. When you walk into the weight room, like you mentioned, you see that big, beautiful glass wall that's overlooking our outdoor field space. And you can see the link and you can see the stadiums across the street. Now, as you approach that, you're going to see two huge garage doors that have been constructed. So we basically blew out, blew out each side of the, of the walls. We've constructed these huge doors. Now, as you, as you exit the weight room but enter into the doors for the outdoor weight rooms, you walk under these big tented areas. We've constructed a floor that's safe to do Olympic lifting on. We've constructed a floor that we can do high force, high velocity movements on. Now, as the players walk in, we have each side, whether you're going in the far side, uh, garage door which is close to our sports science lab or the near side one that's closer down here by some of the cardio equipment that you mentioned you walk in either one of those and you actually see a mirror image of the other one so now we have all the equipment that we would have within our normal facility so the facility that we have here every single thing that we need that we need to get through a full training camp type workout we have out there at our disposal so now we've transformed one into three and we can adequately train up to 45 athletes at one time with no problem. That's awesome. So let, for fans who are wondering, the program that you're putting in place is not in, in any way altered, um, minimized, all, you know, changed in any way due to these space changes here. Your program goes in as planned, correct? 100%. The biggest change has been the lack of the offseason, but to your earlier point, that's why we attack this as a virtual offseason. So from a structural standpoint, Dave, we can get everything accomplished that we would have gotten accomplished if we were in quote-unquote normal times with 45 players in the main weight room. We can get the same thing accomplished right now because we have, we've went forth and we've constructed these additional facilities. Ted, let's back up to the virtual offseason. Again, you come into Philadelphia, it's February a month later, plus, you know, a week, you're locked down and you have to come up with a virtual off-season program. 
how did you come up with the plan and how do you think the players responded to it? You know, once again, I looked at it as a great challenge, Dave, and we did as a staff, as a performance staff, including the medical, the level of collaboration that Tom Hunkley and myself have formed personally has bled into the staff. So now we have this two-headed beast, as I would call it. You know, we have medical and performance, and we're, we're clicking on all cylinders. So we utilize them. We utilize them and leverage their expertise. So we had medical staff on every live call. We did literally a live workout with every player that we were able to through the course of the offseason. So how we did that was getting the staff in line. So my staff, we broke it out by position, and we went through the performance staff, and we made sure every guy had a specific group assigned to them. Now, within that, every single live workout that they were in, we had a member of Tom Hunkley's staff. They were in that workout as well. You know, it's incredible the amount of planning, but really the people made it happen, Dave. So when you look at that level of collaboration, that's been something that's really unique here in, in that Tom has done a great job on his side with his staff, and Arsh has done a great job of blending all these pieces. Dr. Arsh Denota with, you know, our orthopedic guys and Matt Pepe and, and people like that. We've really created this collaborative monster. So that's step one it's the people the people make this happen step two how the players actually looked at this was hey we're, we're going to get a workout in whether we're here or not now you get a chance to socially interact you can have even though it's via through an ipad or a surface a cell phone you still have that opportunity to see your teammates and there's something special that happens dave when you see teammates grinding going through workouts and you know that they're laying groundwork you know that they're working they're straining they're pouring sweat and they're pouring work into this thing there's a trust that develops there. So that's one of the things we didn't want to miss. Even though we were socially away and guys were all over the country, we didn't want to let that slide. So we talked about, could we record videos and send these workouts and do them through apps? Yes, there's a thousand ways to do it. And, you know, how do you get that personal feel, though? How do you get teams coming together when you're not allowed to be together. That's the hard thing. So how do we do it? We try to do it with live virtual workouts. And it was great as the players would get on. A lot of them would get on early, Dave. And even as we went, you know, the dog days of the offseason after we were in this for over a month or two, they would start, they would still come on early and they would kind of talk smack to each other catch up with each other, but then challenge each other. Oh, you're going to, you're going to lift that. All right. You just squatted 405. All right. I'm going to throw on 435. And then there would get that back and back aspect that we would have if we were all together live here competing against each other, making each other better. So I thought the players did an incredible job. And a lot of that came from the leadership, the guys on our team, they made sure they set the tone. The guys that work hard every single day, that's no different whether you're live or not. If you're virtual and having those guys, we started out with a really cool video that we had some of our veteran players from the current team actually talk and they would they would throw out hey if i if i played through the lockout lockout for instance you had jason kelsey he compared the season to the lockout so he actually he eloquently put this but he said it in a way where guys this is very similar to the lockout and living through that playing through that being a part of that what happened was the teams that handled it the best were the teams that were standing at the end of the year. So how are we going to be that team? What are you willing to do and what are you willing to put aside? And then, you know, part of that was also handled by, by Doug and Coach Peterson by bringing in some of these really, really cool speakers to help bridge our team. So we would have virtual team meetings and then we would have these great messages of, you know, why are we doing what we do? How do we work harder at this? And how do we come together as a team? And then in the grand scheme of things, Dave, this all became very small because we're still dealing with a, with a pandemic. So there's this greater sense of what's going on, family, and you talk about trust. So allowing people time to come together, and then you go through the social injustice and just all the crazy things that are going on in the world, 
it allowed our players a platform to talk to each other and still have that social interaction, which I think is so important. All right, Ted, kind of a wrap-up here, and this is an interesting one because nobody knows the answer, I guess. We're, we're in a unique time. Fewer padded practices, uh, less time really, I guess, to work with players in strength and conditioning, OTAs that were, did not happen. What in your performance uh, model changes getting players physically ready to play the 16-game grind? That's a great question, Dave. You know, you, you have very limited time with guys, and you got to catch up very quickly because it really, if we're looking at just over a month, we're going to be playing football games. So how do we basically replace for the time that we quote-unquote missed? Well, I don't feel like we missed that much time. We ran this virtual offseason. We know that guys were working hard. Now to expedite the process of getting them back, we have to hit the ground running. I, there's not a day, there's not an hour, there's not a minute that can be wasted. So your scheduling becomes critically important. How you allot certain time periods throughout the course of the day, because there's protocols that limit the amount of time we can do certain things throughout this, this ramp-up phase and the acclimation phases. So how we schedule and how we sit down and make sure we allot the appropriate amount of time for the appropriate activities, including strength and conditioning, training, practice, recovery, regeneration, nutrition, all those things are extremely important. So now what's enough, what's too much? We have to come to that fine balance of making sure that we are being as efficient as possible, but also making sure that we're not taking our players too far, but not under training them at the same time. So this is the really unique balance. How do we catch up? Well, we dial in. The schedule's got to be on point, and then we cannot waste a minute. We cannot waste a minute, and that's got to come from the players. There's a sense of urgency that should be here, and there is every year in training camp, but I think this year, unlike any other one, Dave, we're going to come in with that sense of urgency. They're going to feel it. They're going to feel it from the staff because, to be honest, I have it. I mean, we have to go. This has been – it's felt like we've been away for five years, so we have football back now. It's time to go. We can't waste a minute, can't waste a second. Let's put our feet to the ground. Let's put our hands – in the ground, in the dirt, and let's ramp up and let's go, baby. So it's time to roll, and I think that's the that's the urgency that's ultimately going to decide the difference of who's going to handle this the right way through the course of training camp and who's not. You better be urgent, and you better have a good plan. Ted, I'm so fired up after talking to you, I swear. I'm going to hang up and do, like, 20 push-ups. I'm ready to go, too. Now, I love 25, Dave. Because <laughs> I'm old, man. I'm old. Hey, listen, Ted, um, nobody said this was going to be easy, but you, you, there's, I love the attitude. It's, it's not like, hey, here's an excuse for why it can't work. Your attitude is there's nothing that's going to stop me and us from making it work. And that's the right attitude to take, right? Like you want to go in with that kind of we are going to conquer the world attitude. There's no question. I think you can attack success or you can fear failure, Dave, and we're definitely not going to fear failure. We're going to go attack this thing. No one knows what's going to happen, just like you alluded to, but I know this. We're going to attack it. We're going to attack it every single day. Every person in this organization has got that same attitude, so we're going to go hit this thing. Ted Rapp, thank you so much. Welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast, and hey, welcome to Philadelphia, where no city, no group of fans loves their team more than Eagles fans. I thank you so much for your time. I love it. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. So pumped up. Fly, Eagles, fly, baby. NBA legend Kobe Bryant passed away tragically January 26th, a helicopter accident in Calabasas, California. And we know that Kobe has always been a huge Eagles fan, having grown up in Lower Marion, a suburb of Philadelphia, played his high school basketball at Lower Marion High School, of course. And 
Visited the Eagles in 2017 when the team was staying in California for the Super Bowl season. Now, the Eagles have remembered Kobe Bryant at the Care Complex. We saw some of the work uh, from the social media handle of Alshon Jeffrey. And here to talk about it, the Eagles Vice President of Football Operations and Compliance, John Ferrari. John, thanks so much for joining us. And let's get to the bottom of this Kobe Bryant art that is in the Novacare complex. How did it get there? What is it, uh, the meaning of it? And where is it located? Well, Dave, it's located right outside the locker room door. And um, it was uh, an idea from several people. And, you know, uh, our vice president of equipment operations, Greg Del Petros, and I are kind of in charge of some of the graphics around the building. You know, we work with, with Allie Roseman and, and Coach uh, about what the messaging to the team is going to be. And then, you know, Greg and I kind of help execute it along with, with Rob Babbitt, who's an outside graphic designer who we work with, who's a great guy who's been working with the Eagles for years uh, and is responsible for a lot of the, the messaging and the sort of vision for the building. And um, so the idea, you know, after the tragedy came, you know, the idea for a, a Kobe wall as a, you know, we, we decided it was time to kind of freshen up some of the looks, some of the, the things around the locker room, around the weight room area. And the idea of the, the outpouring of emotion from guys on the team. And, you know, when Darius Slay joined the team, he talked about picking 24 as a tribute to Kobe because of how much he meant to him. Um, the, the competitiveness that Kobe had was is the kind of messaging, obviously, that we'd like to have around the building. So it was really Coach and Howie's idea to, to develop that wall. So um, we worked with Rob. We came up with uh, different concepts, different versions of it. And then it sat dormant for a little bit as we went through the pandemic and we were out of the building. Uh, and then as we got closer, um, you know, we, you know, we wanted to, to move forward and get everything done. So Rob then kind of expedited everything. Um, Jeffrey, Coach, Don, and Howie, everybody signed off on it, thought it looked great, thought it set the right message to the players. Um, and then Rob came in and got it up really fast. And along with some other things throughout the building that haven't gotten as much attention as this did, um, and, uh, and I think it looks great. We did a great job. And one of the things we really talked about was the low picture of the lower Marion picture really captures the, the Philadelphia aspect of Kobe. That picture from the Lakers, really that competitive fire you see in his eyes. And then the, the image of him in the Eagles jersey from that day that you mentioned, he spoke to us, uh, in late 2017. Um, we thought tied the whole thing together. And then obviously his 10 rules as a kind of uh, a mantra for the players um, that goes along, I think, with Coach Peterson's whole overall message of, of trusting one another and, uh, and and how we engage with this process in a you know an admittedly difficult year. John, it must make you very happy that the players have reacted so enthusiastically to this, and and really, as you say, it's, it's strategically located. It captured their attention. And, you know, from what we've seen, they love it. That must make you feel great. Dave, it's so funny. I mean, you know, we're, we're, just, getting, we're just getting going here. Um, and so the attention that it got yesterday was so surprising. Um, so, yeah, Alshon putting it, you know, uh, taking a picture with his phone and, and, and putting it, you know. And then um, Alshon, it obviously, you know, it meant a lot to him. And, you know, it's just it was the way it all play, has played out was so interesting. And, 
you know, we're so busy right now just getting everything ready and, and we're, we're kind of nose to the grindstone on everything that, you know, I think it looks great. I think Greg thinks it looks great. Um, we're really happy with how it came out. But, you know, we're, you know, we maybe sometimes you lose perspective a little bit. So then, you know, the players liking it, the players engaging with it, it does, it, it makes you feel good that the, the, um, the, the work is going in, the work sort of uh, makes a difference. But really, I got to say, you know, the way Coach and Howie, um, their ideas about how the messaging around the building should be, what the look should be, it really it makes our job fairly easy in terms of going ahead and executing it. So, yeah, it, it, it's a great thing. It was nice that it, uh, that, it, that it kind of blew up a little bit yesterday like it did. John, you mentioned some other art around the building. Is there a theme, anything else you'd like to share with us that's meaningful, that's impactful, that you think the players will really enjoy? Yeah, well, listen, Coach Peterson's talked about the idea of trust. Uh, and he's talked to, you know, he talked about that publicly, he talked about that in some of his comments yesterday to the, to the media. And that's one of the things that we tried to uh, capture this year was some of the, the way the building looks. And, uh, you know, we, we have to trust, you know, we're trusting the league and the NFLPA and the protocols that we've got in place. We're trusting our medical staff. There are so many things that are going into um, creating a successful season in a very odd set of circumstances. Um, but we got to trust each other that we're going to do the right things. So we really wanted to kind of double down on this idea of this is a group that's going to come together and trust each other and do things the right way, both on the field, off the field, from a medical perspective, everything. So the, the you know, um, images throughout the season of players making plays and then teammates supporting them, and you can see that trust sort of visualized and illustrated on the field. Um, those are the kind of things we wanted to capture. And then plus we got to, you know, every, uh, every time we win a division, obviously winning the Super Bowl, we get to, uh, we memorialize that on a wall with, uh, that Rob does an incredible job of images from that season and newspaper clippings. Um, he prints on metal prints and we create a kind of, uh, a kind of memorial and memorial is not the right word, but like, uh, a, a a visual reminder of that of that successful season. So Rob installed that 2019 NFC East Championship wall, which really came out and looks terrific. And uh, and and yeah, so we think you know it looks great. It, it's been a strange year. You know, we don't have the access. We didn't have the access to the building that we would normally have. We didn't do all the things that were on our punch list. But we really were happy with how it came out. The effort that we had that we would normally put forward to some of the the, the graphics or some of the those types of things had to be put into building protocols and safety measures and doing all those things, which, you know, in the, in the scheme of things are much more important in a year like this. So we were happy that things came out the way we did, that we, you know, we, we picked a few things and we did them well. So we were happy with how that all came out. John, it sounds awesome. I can't wait to see it in, what, 2022, maybe? 2021? We'll get you back there at some point, Dave. <laughs> hey, I, look, I'm just going to follow the rules. I don't. All I want to do is have a great Eagles season and a great NFL season. I just follow the rules. I go where I'm told. I'm not, I'm not no problem at all. John, thanks so much for that's joining us. That's, 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 that's all we're doing. That's, that's what we're all doing, Dave. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, you got it, man. Thanks so much. Take care. And that will do it for this episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. If you have a moment to give us a review, 
We really appreciate it. We've got more coming for you here as we get closer and closer to the start of the regular season. In this once-in-a-lifetime kind of training camp, we want to make sure you get a full picture of what's happening at the NovaCare Complex. Thanks to Ray Doyle and to Peter Kelly for their great work. Thanks to all of you once again for joining here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly, Eagles, fly. E-A-T-L-E-S!